the stars are right, and that means it's time for another episode of The Whisper in Darkness. I'm your host, the man from Lang. Thank you very much for joining me today. This is part two of our look at the recent FAQ that was released by Fantasy Flight Games. In this episode, we're going to take a look at the many mutated cards on the uh, list of taboos. There are spoilers through. If you care about that sort of thing, if you enjoy what you hear, remember to like, comment, and subscribe. Before we get started, I'd like to thank the patrons of this channel for their tremendous support. You all rock. If you'd like to be amazing like these people and support the channel's goals and see your name on this list, head over to patreon.com, sign up for a tier of your choice, and claim your rewards. That would be awesome. Special thanks to Cole Monroe Chitty, Nicole Fiscus, and Nate Lost in Time and Space for their contributions to the channel. I couldn't do it without you. Without further ado, let's get started. Welcome back, everyone, to our continuing coverage of the uh, FAQ that was recently released for the Arkham Horror LCG. We've got the whole gang together to discuss the mutated cards that uh, ended up on the list. There are a whole bunch uh, to discuss, and uh, we are going to dive right in. The first two are Hypnotic Gaze and uh, Banish, both mystic cards that were had their text altered so that they... Uh, now operate with Bless and Curse tokens in mind. People weren't playing Hypnotic Gaze and Banish because they were bad with Bless and Curse tokens. They were not playing Hypnotic Gaze and Banish because they are bad cards. <laughs> and I don't think making them play nice with Bless and Curse tokens is going to change that. So this change doesn't really mean it, it anything. Creates, it creates symmetry. It means you don't have to remember that, oh, this one works with Blessing Curse now. This one doesn't work with Blessing Curse now. Yeah. I like the philosophy yeah. behind the move, which is just yeah. make the cards consistent with this new mechanic that we introduced. And I, I like that. Yeah, It's yeah. not nearly as impactful as adding those tokens to Voice of Raw or Jewel of Aurelis, but it's consistent, but, and I like that. Yeah, symmetry. Yeah. Symmetry's good here. Yeah. So uh, don't expect to see a whole bunch of decks packing Hypnotic Gaze or Banish now that uh, that that change has been made. They're still pretty uh, pretty niche, or in the case of Hypnotic Gaze, I think just outright bad. So so the other Mystic card added to to the mutated list is David Renfield. Just a quick reminder, he's a two-cost asset with an intellect skill icon, ally, and patron trait. While David Renfield has at least one doom on him, you get plus one willpower. As a free triggered ability, you can exhaust David Renfield. You may place one doom on David Renfield, gain one resource for each doom on David Renfield. He has two health and one sanity, takes up an ally slot. His text has been changed, so now his free triggered ability has a cap, you gain one resource for each Doom on David Renfield to a maximum of three resources. Now, David Renfield is an interesting case because he ended up on the list of tab, or he was chained originally. They added three X, was it two or three XP? Three. Three, because he didn't play nice with Amina, who could, who, at, likes to add Doom to cards. So that was the reason he originally ended up on the list of taboos. That is not the reason he has been mutated, though. The reason he was mutated was because of one of the scenarios in the Scarlet Keys that doesn't use Doom in a traditional way, and you could get infinite resources with David. So the original reason he was on the chain list to begin with doesn't matter. Now he's on the list for a different reason. But, I mean, yeah. I think it's pretty clear that cards without caps in this game tend to be overpowered. I mean, Yeah, we've but seen... only in edge cases. Like, were you re like, how often were you really putting, like, 17 Doom on David Renfield? Oh, never. <laughs> yeah. no, never. Or that, even more so than three. That's puzzling to me. Yeah, like... I don't think I've ever put more than two on David before. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like, I put a Doom on him, and then I, you know, I get an extra resource every turn. And then yeah. the Witching Hour comes and I tick an extra Doom on it. I'm like, oh, cool. This turn I get one extra resource. Yeah, like, there you go. Is that really yeah, a problem? It's fine. I mean, if this is like this is like a very cheap cost to pay if it means we get David Renfield back. Yeah. You know, you know like, like oh, yeah, fine. I'll take it. Yeah, that's great. Because Amina needs the help. You know, she, like, she's very XP heavy already. So she really mm -hmm. didn't deserve to have to pay two for you know, pay three for David Renfield or six because you're going to want to have two copies. Yeah, um, and it's like her stat yeah. line didn't really like make her broken in that regard, right? Because like all threes is awkward and mystic. 
Yeah, it kind of is. Yeah, um, yeah, it's true. It kind of is, especially when you get to another taboo that comes up later. Yeah, this is fine because like this is going to cover like the ninety nine percent, you know, of times you were going to use David Renfield, you were just going to put one on him, you know, because mm -hmm. he's cheap soak. And then I guess it covers the corner cases that the playtesters were freaking out about back in when they were testing keys. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Sure. Yeah. yeah. This change basically just removes him off the list, essentially. Yeah. With that one it's... slight caveat, which is fine. Yeah, it's another one of those cases where, like, one year we get the conservative change, and then in the next year we get the real change. <laughs> you know, like... Yeah. <laughs> it is nice that he is been removed off the chained yeah. unchained list so i mean one of the biggest problems with amina is that she doesn't really have a good level zero ally to work with uh, l rubash is cost xp yep and when you look at the list of allies you started going down the list you're like none of these really fit with what amina wants to do and at least david gives her a way to sort of give her a resource boost and some willpower so it's nice yeah. that he is he is now an op an, an option and i don't think he's he's busted in her by any stretch of the imagination i mean he's more efficient in her than other investigators because she has a way of dumping doom on him like right yeah, off and paying less for him right off the bat like i really yeah. like that's what i like about amina is the is you get a resource discount so you don't spend any money on David Renfield to get him out there, and then you immediately go up to two Doom, so you're like you're netting two already, which is yeah. like way fast, which is like significantly faster than other mystics. So it's like this is like what Amina should be doing, you know? Yeah, and and yeah. like mystics already had such a problem with resource generation anyway that like they really kind of leaned on Renfield to do anything. <laughs> it's kind of true. Yeah, it's kind of true. Yeah, and then you got like I wonder you know what I wonder? I wonder if I wonder if Sin Eater was like way more powerful in playtesting. Maybe. I could see and it. then Yeah. I wonder if that's what happened here. Because that, that seems like a scenario that would explain why David got the taboo. It definitely seems like playtesters freaked out and then David Renfield got tabooed. But then the freak out was for nothing for some reason, maybe because Sin Eater was uh you know, was like kinda of overpowered in playtesting. I don't know. I don't know. Either way, good stuff. Maximum of three, takes care of 99% of cases, and deals with the 1% of theory crafting that you are probably mm. never going to do in real life. Yeah. The uh, next two cards that ended up on the list are Persuasion and Interrogate. Now, these are sort of uh, two sides of the same coin in, uh, in what they do. Persuasion was released uh, way back in uh, Threads of Fate. It's a two-cost event. Willpower and intellect skill icons, insight, trick trait, parlay, choose a non-weakness humanoid enemy at your location and test three intellect. This test gets plus X difficulty where X is that enemy's horror value. If you succeed, shuffle the chosen enemy into the encounter deck. If the chosen enemy is elite, automatically evade it instead. So it has had its text changed to... Now it's just non-weakness enemy. The humanoid uh, restriction is gone. What do you guys think about this one? This is this is kind of interesting because I think what's going on here is once I think if we follow the pattern we're seeing about, okay, so these are taboos for what is coming in the future. And I what this I think this mean is Alessandra. I think I think uh, it sounds like Alessandra can use persuasion and intimidate. That seems to be what we're getting here, and mm -hmm. these needed to be made viable in Alessandra and Alessandra. And I think that's what happened here. And yeah. I remember well, way back when we were discussing the level two upgrade to handcuffs back in the day. And we were talking about how the problem with handcuffs is the humanoid restriction. And that was another problem with these two cards was the humanoid restriction because it's just unnecessarily limiting. So uh, nice to see that we, you can you can take them now. Like this, this makes them playable effectively. <laughs> So, yeah, and one of the one of the things about the I mean the seeker level zero card pools, they don't have a great deal of of uh, enemy management tools at their disposal, and persuasion was always one of those cards that was like, you know, man, if this didn't have <laughs> the restriction on it, uh, it might actually be worth you know looking at at least in your you know your starter deck before you got all the ultra powerful seeker cards and can do whatever you wanted to. Uh -huh. So. Yeah. You know, I, that I being approve. said, there's there's kind of a larger 
person I think problem with the game is that um, non-elite enemies are just like a joke when it comes to like difficulty. You know, because even seekers can one-shot them. You know, with like events. So it's like I, I think it's a larger issue with the game, and that is one downside I think of the persu- of persuasion being able to target anything is like it's just another brick in that wall. Yeah, interrogate does much the same as uh, persuasion, except it is a guardian card, two cost event, combat and intellect skill icons, tactic insight trait. You choose the you parlay, choose a humanoid enemy at your location, test three combat. This text get this test gets plus X difficulty where X is the chosen enemy's damage value, and if you succeed, discover one clue at your location and one clue at any other location. So this one, uh, again, removes the humanoid part and changes it to non-elite enemy. This one's still kind of bad because Scene of the Crime is just works and doesn't require a test. But at least Alessandra can do it, which seems to be yeah. where, where, what happened here. If uh, Alessandra gets to play parlay cards, which is pretty much assumed, these may, uh, may find a home in her deck uh, now because they are less restrictive. The next card on the list is Daredevil, level 0. Daredevil lets you mill your deck for a skill, and uh, it shuffled any weaknesses back into the deck. Now, after this test, this skill test resolves, each you get to draw each weakness discarded by this effect. This seems like a very targeted nerf to a deck called Daredevil Darling by Shirubimi. And as with many infinite loop decks in Arkham VV, in, in Arkham, it's dump your whole deck into your discard pile, and win the game somehow. That one involved like an, it was like an infinite. Had that one work? It was a lot of like silly infinite stuff. Like you know when you dump your whole deck in your discard pile. I think that one uses Wendy's amulet to like play everything from your discard pile. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. but this is another one of those examples of like why don't you just address why you know the infinity, the infinity tools rather than addressing the things you know just address the honestly they just need to address like. The deck yeah, well, it could just say reveal <laughs> cards from the top of your deck until you see yeah. a week or until you see yeah. something instead of discarding but, them. But it, yeah, like you said, you know, it, it's the fact that it dumps your whole deck into your discard pile that's the problem. Yeah, exactly. It's, it, no one, no one was ever using it to like do the thing that it was intended to do, which was get you a skill. This thing is, yeah, I'm gonna dump my entire discard pile and then initiate some absurd, some combo silly combo. By... Yeah, it's like. Just deal with deck flipping and that type, the recursion, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. Just... So this one is uh, targeted at an infinite combo. Yeah. So you, if you weren't playing that deck, you probably didn't even know yeah. that was an issue. The next card is Trish Scarborough. This is, uh, I think, the only investigator on the list who gets a little tweak. Trish the Spy, 2424, Agency Detective. Her response, uh, the original response, is after you discover one or more clues at a location with an enemy, either discover one additional clue at that location or automatically evade that enemy limit once per round. Her response now reads, after you discover one or more clues at a location with an enemy, either discover one additional clue at that location or automatically evade that enemy if it is non-elite. Okay limit once per round i know that you have played a lot of trish nate what is your thought on this so yeah i've played a lot of trish and at least you can still discover a clue with an elite enemy at your location which is often what really matters in most scenarios because you get to that ending location and it like the witching hour is a great example that comes to mind you get to that last location and you either need to discover all the clues or defeat the enemy and right. Trish still lets you get the extra clues to advance quickly. And yeah. then you could still use her ability to do all the other stupid, silly nonsense that you you could with non-elite enemies. So it is a slight nerf, but it's I think it it's trying to adhere to their design philosophy that elite enemies should be more difficult to deal with and that you shouldn't just get things for free when dealing with them. Yeah. It's interesting that the that they address this elite thing, but they didn't address predator or prey listen man i don't know one thing at a time here <laughs> makes uh, me wonder though if uh if trish is getting more tools in, in hemlock Vale. 
don't well, know. I, I, That's what I caused it to change, like rise to the top. You know, maybe I feel like this change was probably a long time coming, or mm. it was probably an oversight in her original design. Because it's only like yeah. four years late. I mean, it's fine. Yeah, yeah it's like you really <laughs> shouldn't be able to evade an elite enemy for free like that because it really does kind of neuter a lot of scenarios difficulties mm -hmm. if you can just. Like, the organist is a great example. Like, being able to evade the oh, organist God. Yeah. is so stupid. Yeah, it's true. Although, admittedly, I mean, it is Phantom of Truth, and I don't know. The card pool is just totally power crept past that scenario by now. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. But, you know, at least being able to make it feel yeah. a little more difficult is fine, so. Yeah. <laughs> it feels it's, different. It's, yeah. it's a, I think this is a totally fine yeah. change it, to her ability. Yeah, and it also it also creates symmetry. You know, with other yeah. similar abilities that they don't yeah. hit elites, which is nice. The next card on the list is Ancient Covenant. It is the uh, Seeker Covenant that was released in during the uh, Innsmouth Conspiracy cycle. Uh, it is a permanent asset that costs 2 XP, Covenant Bless trait, permanent limit 1 Covenant per deck. As a response, when an investigator at your location resolves a blessed token during a skill test, exhaust Ancient Covenant. Do not reveal another token as part of this uh, blessed token's effect. The response has been changed to when you resolve a blessed token during a skill test, so this doesn't work with other investigators at your location. As a solo player, this change does not affect me in any way, shape, or form, and I haven't played a Blesser Curse deck in a while since the whole thing doesn't really jive with Solo to begin with. So In multiplayer, it was definitely nice to be able to trigger it off of other people's tokens, yeah. but it, yeah, this brings this card much more in line with where it should be. Yeah, that's probably true. Although, admittedly, I really liked the teamwork aspect of Ancient Covenant, I gotta admit. Yeah, yeah, I felt like it maybe if it was like yeah. when you resolve a blessed token at a skill test at your location. Yeah, that would make sense too. Yeah, that would make sense. Kind of like the um, the rogue and seeker ones. Yeah. For uh, yeah, for curse tokens, that would make a lot of sense because I liked the team the team building aspect of bless. Now it's been confirmed that bless and curse are coming back. Maybe this one was overperforming. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Okay, I, I get it. All right. Because, yeah. like, you know, Small... it, it, you're triggering it for free regardless of where you are in the map. And, you know, at the very yeah. least, like, making you think about drawing those tokens is nice. Yeah. I like this change a lot. Yeah, I mean, and again, it's, it's I guess, like, uh, kind of like with David Renfeld, it's a small price to pay if it means we get more blessed cards. Mm -hmm. You know, more ways to generate blessed tokens and use blessed tokens. So, yeah, maybe this was overperforming, you know, with the blessed cards that are coming. And so, at yeah, least in my opinion, sense. permanent cards should only affect the person with the asset. Ooh, interesting. Well, that's a whole philosophical debate for another video. Hey, maybe we can get some clickbait. We, we can make some clickbait where you and I are like going like this, you know, and, and uh, you know, we can have our, our throwdown about teamwork. The next card on the list is Geared Up from uh, the Edge of the Earth. Geared up is the permanent asset that allows you, uh, when your first turn of the game begins, play any number of item assets from your hand, reducing the cost of each by one. During this turn, you have three fewer actions to take. Uh, you probably uh, identified the issue with this card uh, immediately when it says play any number and has no restriction. Of course, that uh, led someone to bust this card by playing half their deck using backpacks and such so now you are limited to playing five item assets and they're played so one, thing... one at a time right because before they were just the wording All was unclear yeah 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 that that's what did it is yeah because like as written geared up like you you wouldn't get to trigger backpack because you play the assets all at once there's no mm -hmm. like window in between um it which led to like it was kind of weird because it's it's kind of like playing them all at once is kind of unusual you know and it, it's kind of unintuitive compared to say like ever vigilant where you do play mm -hmm. them one at a time yeah so it's at least they cleared that up but it also opened up other things personally what i think really broke it was actually schaffner's catalog um because yeah because then you're gaining resources mid you know mid turn but mm -hmm. yeah it's that that's fine okay that just means you can't do silly stuff I'm yeah. glad they they did finally deal with the whole one at a time thing because I know 
when the card was released, there were a lot of arguments, at least in the comments section of my videos about like, what does that mean? Work. Are you playing them yeah. all at once or are you playing them, yeah. you know, is there a break so you can play backpack? And mm -hmm. I mean, my interpretation of the rules was that you couldn't play backpack didn't trigger but other people yeah, said it did and a... now they're like well it does so yeah there you go there's consistency there with like ever vigilant where it's like oh but this one you, you have to play them all at once but this mm. one you play them one at a time yeah no room for that let's have consistency mm. so sure and you know small price to pay you know that you can't like do weird softeners backpack silliness mm -hmm. you know that's fine Next card is Jeremiah Kirby, Arctic Archaeologist from the Edge of the Earth. A Seeker card. No real surprise that we're seeing a Seeker card, uh, another Seeker card get mutated. Jeremiah is a four-cost asset uh, with an intellect skill icon, ally, miskatonic, wayfarer trait. You get plus one intellect as a response after Jeremiah Kirby enters play. Choose even or odd. Reveal the top five cards of your deck. Draw each card with a cost that matches the chosen option. Shuffle the remaining cards into your deck. He had, has two health, one sanity. Takes up an ally slot. Jeremiah is being limited to twice per game. Because, uh, I mean, you can build your Recursion. deck to just mm -hmm. draw a ton mm -hmm. without too much difficulty. Yep. It sounds like one of those things where you develop some combo and then Kirby just draws all the combo pieces in a single go and then you just do it all over again. And just why? Yeah. Just address the one real problem, please. Yeah, just just address all the recursion and the ability to flip your deck over and draw through your whole deck. Yeah. Jeremiah Kirby's an interesting one because, like, I think he suffers. I think all Seeker allies actually suffer from the fact that, that as written... Milan is is super powered, and I was convinced by an argument that I saw sometime last year that the problem with Milan is that he kind of deserves to be both chained and and mutated. <laughs> like he deserves to be like XP and once per round, mm -hmm. but FFG doesn't want to do that. Yeah. Just remove him from the game then, if that's really like the problem. Oh, you're talking about Kirby? Yeah. No, I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, in like... both cases, right? Like if they're causing. <laughs> unhealthy card design problems yeah. and just get rid of them yeah so so i feel like kirby kind of needed to be zero xp just because milan is zero xp mm -hmm. you know because they both provide an elect they both have like the soak and you know and yeah i i, I get it but yeah this, this is one of those issues of like they need yeah. to address the recur like all the recursion you know yeah i don't like a totally a out of the scope of this video but yeah i don't even know how you'd begin to do something like that because the next card that we're going to talk about also suffers from the same problem yes yeah yeah when you just take everything anything to an extreme black market once per round watchful peace remove from the game you catastrophe remove from game hollow remove from game you know it's like it's all just stop recurring things you know like they could make the taboo list so much shorter if they just address that the next card on the list is burn after reading from uh, i believe this was edge of the earth as well it is a one cost event with one uh one xp wild skill icon insight exile a level zero to five card in your hand discover two clues at your location if the exiled card was level two or higher remove one doom from the current agenda burn burn Exile Burn After Reading. This one is now limited to uh, max twice per game, largely because in standalones, people were abusing the shit out of this card, and you could play it without really any cost mm -hmm. in a standalone. So, uh, I mean, I like this card as a way to discover clues without making skill tests in, uh, in Survivor. But, uh, yeah, obviously in standalone it's a problem. But, I mean, it's not the only card that's a problem in standalone because there's no repercussions for playing exile cards in standalone, really. Yeah, which is kind of a larger deal. Yeah, like, um, what's it? The Unscrupulous Loan. Kind of amazing in standalone if you, like, never have to deal with the downside. Yep. Yeah, but... yep. yeah, this is kind of, a, kind of a bad precedent, in my opinion. Like, they're doing things because of standalone like really like let's not go down that road 
Yeah, because there's like, like cause that means like so many other things deserve to be on the list as a result. And this is something with remove from game on it, by the way. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, what's to stop uh, the same a similar group from just taking eight fickle fortunes? You know that also removed Doom from the agenda. Yeah, this this very much reminds me of like the delve too deep problem, right? Where yeah. delve too deep was very much a problem when you could play eight of them in your group. Yeah, yeah, it's also like really weird that like, wait a minute. Oh yeah, but fortune or fate says max one per game. So yes. okay, that's okay. I see. I see. Yeah, like a watchful piece is another one that like probably suffers from a similar issue, where a watchful yeah. piece is just really degenerate when you can recur it over and over again or use yeah. it more than twice a game. I'm just curious, like, does playing eight of these like is there a scenario that that's really necessary? I genuinely don't know. I mean, maybe if you're gonna troll a group of labyrinths of lunacy, <laughs> because everyone has to has to like move the agenda together. Yeah. If you want to just troll everybody, then sure. But it, the taboo list is not the place to address that. You're supposed to address that with a smack upside the head and get out. If you haven't uh, really seen the, the common denominator in a lot of these changes, it's usually to nerf some abusive strat, like one abusive strategy that has been found in the game. And 99% of players would never use the card that way so yeah it's kind of interesting because because it kind of opens up to like one of i think my big criticisms of the taboo list is like okay so you have evidence that this is narrow case is what caused this card to get like you know dealt with got to deal with that but then you have like incredibly broken stuff like knowledge is power just still fitting around you know just still doing its thing you know and it's just like all right so what is it like what's the standard it, it does an ffg employee have to like physically see it does it have to come up in play testing? Like, what is the threshold, you know, of like awareness that needs to happen? And it kind of creates this sense of like hypocrisy. And I really don't like that. Maybe hypocrisy is the wrong word. More like uh, inconsistency. That's that's the better word, not hypocrisy. Yeah. We've got uh, two more cards on the list. The first is Research Notes, which was released in uh, the Scarlet Keys. This is a, another Seeker card, Asset, Tome, Item, Science Traits, Costs 1 Resource, has an Intellect Skill icon. As a response, after a player card ability places one or more clues on your location, you get to place that many resources on research notes as evidence. As an action, test 0 Intellect. For each point you succeed by, you may spend 1 evidence to discover 1 clue at your location. Again, you can see there's no limit on this sucker, and... Uh, now there is so you can only spend three evidence per round oh, it's again also it's also a tome yeah and it ran afoul of knowledge's power right because you could avoid spending the evidence yes silly seems like any card with a, without a limit should probably get a limit before they release it just to save everybody yeah. a lot of a lot of trouble mm -hmm. i also see what they're doing here is by saying max three evidence spent per round they're kind of backdooring around the problem of having two research notes yes so the final card on the list is power word the uh, mystic event that was released in the scarlet keys just as a quick reminder it's a three cost event uh, intellect skill icon spell trait customizable fast play only during your turn attached to a non-elite enemy at your location as an action if attached enemy is at your location parlay Give it a command limit once per round per command. There were two commands on the front. The first is go. This enemy moves once in a direction of your choice. And the second is cower. This enemy exhausts. Holy hell, they, uh, this is a mess now, to be honest. Yeah. So I think I see what happened, though. So I, what I they have done is Power Word had a whole bunch of customizations the mercy customization which allowed you to heal damage and or horror equal to an enemy's respective damage and horror value has been eliminated and it has been replaced with the cower ability that was originally on the front so they've made changes both to power word and the customizable card to try to to bring this into into uh shape and they have also added a skill test to the front of the uh, power word card so now you parlay you test three willpower if you succeed give it a command limit once per round per command 
I think I see oh. what's going on here. Man, um, oh man. Okay, yeah, I get it. I, this is all making sense to me. I think this was overperforming in Alessandra. Yeah. Sure. I think I see what was going on. I'm looking at Power Word right now, and I'm like, okay, so you have... So you spent an action. Yeah, we went into this in quite in quite a lot of detail in our Scarlet Keys review. So you spend an action, you go Cower Confess to make it not attack you. Cower is like the base thing that you want it to do. It cowers so it doesn't attack you. And then you have to have Tongue Twister, so now you're up to 3 XP. To, uh, to Confess, now you're up to 4 XP. All right, so you have an enemy that may... You have to spend an action every round to get it off your back. It... So you spend an action every round to get it off your back, and it might discover a clue. Okay, I get it. All right, and then you add on up to two different commands. So that's Tongue Twister. So now we're at four. And then I think where the real brokenness actually occurred was probably Thrice Spoken, because then you get to do three commands for the price of one. I think that's that sounds like that's where this was going. And it sounds like I get it. They probably removed Mercy because can't have Car Carolyn can't have nice things. Yeah, I think that's probably what was going on there. Plus, this is a weird one because, like, I don't know, as we were talking about, uh, as I was mentioning earlier with Persuasion, like, non-elites are just kind of a joke anyway. So, like, why this one? Like, why make this way of dealing with non-elites? Like, why nerf this one? I'm guessing it's because, I don't know, Alessandra was getting three clues a turn for one action. So it's like, I guess a skill test fixes that somehow. I don't know. This is a weird one. Yeah, I, I think I see what was going on, though. Well, I think in the, I mean, in the article that accompanied the FAQ, they were talking about how, like, once you got Power Word set up, you basically had a lock on everything, and there yeah, was there was nothing do. that the the yeah. game could do to stop you, and so yeah. by making these changes in and giving it a skill test in particular, you have to work for it now. Yeah, personally. Slapping a skill test on this does nothing because any player worth their salt will simply pass the skill test. Like the skill test is irrelevant, mm -hmm. and, and it, it also doesn't seems stop you. And it also seems really, really strange that they release they release this taboo list where they're going to say, "Okay, here's this way of dealing with non elites. It's too good. We got to stop it." But then they also release Duke, um, Pete's guitar, which free action deals with the, deals with the non elite enemy, just bats it out of the way. Starts in your, you know, starts in play, has an unlimited amount of uses, and that's okay. I don't know. Just, it's just, I think this game doesn't know what it wants to do with non elite enemies sometimes. It's the conglomeration of spheres problem. Yeah, it's like you need tough non elites to like actually have some difficulty in the game, but then they, they, they keep releasing all these ways to just bat them out of the way. Mm -hmm. And, and it's like yeah. all the non elite enemies they've made are just basically just iterations of thugs from dunwich which are just yeah that's true i mean they've, they've... just spend an action or two to get them out of the way yeah they've gotten better like i liked how they did like i think from edge of the earth at least there was like they just punished you for fighting them which is good and bad because like it kind of punishes guardians but you know and, and rewards monterey and then like the whole like concealed mechanic is pretty cool because at least it, you can't just bat them out of the way for one action at least you mm -hmm. got to actually like play the scenario to deal with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but then you get into stuff like this where it's just like, I don't know. Like I said, Pete's guitar, same month as this, this change. Yeah, mm -hmm. but I, I think I think I'm gonna stand by what I my initial suspicion is that like probably this was overperforming in Alessandra, and so they had to like take that down a notch. Is it? Yeah. Isn't this one of those cards that's like overperforming in general though? Like, correct me if um, I'm wrong, but. Yeah, that's a hard one because, like, I've thought about this quite a bit. Is that the problem is like it bring it comes back to my original point about like non elites being kind of jokes. So it's like, is it really overperforming if all you're really doing is spending ten XP to deal with non elite enemies? Probably not, considering like you can just deal with them, uh, you know, as at zero XP anyway. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I don't know. It sounds like the real problem is actually is not these. It sounds like the real problem is actually thrice spoken, you know, which lets you give three commands at once. But they didn't address mm -hmm. that one. Just want to throw that out there. Yeah. I mean, like, if you do that, then the card doesn't really seem cool. Like, like that's the coolest ability on the card. So if you remove that, you're kind of removing like the wow factor yeah. of it. Yeah, it's almost as if this is kind of a a flawed design for the game. Mm. Yeah, it stood out to me that Thrice Spoken is the problem. 
the ability to do this to multiple enemies multiple times i mean the the amount of actions you're getting out of that is just too much yeah. and you can lock down too many enemies at once so if that's the problem then why don't they address that problem not the yeah and I and again, you know, slapping a skill test on it, they're like, well, you're going to have to build your deck differently to include more skill icons, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's just like, sure, <laughs> okay, I'll just I pass. Guess. You yeah. know, if you're playing on standard difficulty, you need to be two up. You're still going to pass most of the time, and away you go. Like Agnes yeah, does that without adding anything, mm-hmm. without having yeah. to toss a skill in there throw well, one one ally on the table she's now at six and is well on the other hand alessandra has to work at it which i think is what this is really what is actually going on here yeah but like because she's a bro man like really like because she gets an extra action to parlay like that's the problem that's the problem not the fact that you can do it three times to a single end like that oh yeah 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 yeah. no that's no. really like if that is true that is really in my yeah, opinion thrice spoken is, is is where the problem is but not the rest of it and i guess they yeah. had to like take it away from carolyn too because i guess yeah i guess sure whatever yeah so that is gonna do it for our look at uh the cards that were added to the mutated list a, a lot of uh, new additions, as they mention in the uh, article that accompanied the FAQ. The uh, list of taboos now runs two pages. And uh, as they have reiterated uh, many times, I, I think with each fact, is that uh, these are not all of the cards they could address, but they have simply chosen not to address some cards to avoid making the list too long. So I imagine if this game keeps on going, we'll eventually hit three pages at this point. Uh, but I will get your final thoughts on uh, on the mutated list. A lot of these mutations seem to be compensating for another problem in the game, which is the ease of creating these infinite looping situations. Like Daredevil yeah. is an example uh, research notes is another example. Kirby, burn after reading, like all these cards, like needed to be clamped in some way, and it seems like the taboo list is now finally getting around to figuring out some solution on how to do that. Whether it's just putting a hard cap on it in general, or trying to figure out some other way to clear up the language. But yeah, yeah, I, I. Yeah, I kind of had a love-hate relationship with the taboo list. I'm really glad it exists. Like, I'm glad that they're putting forth an effort. I really wish they took it a bit more seriously, though, for several reasons. I mean, you could you could argue that, hey, it's a cooperative card game. Do you even need a taboo list at all? You can just, you know, choose not to play with it, bro, and, and you know, and everything's okay. But at the same time, though, like, a taboo list represents an opportunity to, as they say in the, uh, you know, in the purpose behind it, to, like, mix up you know, mix up the play environment, you know, encourage us or discourage us, you know, from doing certain things. And in general, all of that, especially now that we're only getting one release a year, adds to the energy behind the community of the game. It gets us talking, it gets us recording, uh, you know, 90 minute, you know, 90 minute to three hour, or however long this thing is going to end up in, you know, in the end session. I mean, you are going to cut out my like two hour rant on Streetwise. Is that correct? Probably, yeah. Okay, yeah, so only, like, 90 minutes. Okay, so um, what was I saying? Yeah, community. Um, and and I, I feel like they, they take conservative approaches, like you, and, you know, like you just mentioned, that there's lots of cards they could put on here but don't. All right, so why don't they put them on there? I mean, because they don't want to. I mean, is the taboo list too frequent? I mean, it's already once a year. It's a, it's a little infrequent. So I really wish they would, like, if they were going to be conservative and do incremental approaches, like, Make it happen every quarter, because then because every quarter it would create new energy, right? You know they're really they're going to be releasing um, they release like parallels now that those have started up again, you know between parallels and like print and play scenarios and a new taboo list update like every every quarter that'd be like super nice for the game, and to, you know to keep the community's community's attention and the community engagement, but like they don't do that they give us conservative stuff and it's once a year so it's it's just too slow. 
Yeah, especially for like conservative approaches. Now, if they took radical approaches and were like, these cards are forbidden, and you know, that would make more sense for something that's happening infrequently. So like I guess to circle back around, like I like what they're trying to do, but I think they're doing too little and they're doing it not often enough. And I think they're giving up a great opportunity a great opportunity to like to engage the community. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think my issue is that once you start mutating a lot of the cards, you've really kind of lost, I think, the original intention of some of those cards. Yeah. And yeah. And, 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 like, to me, it suggests that there's more of a problem with how the cards were designed in the first place and not so much their power yeah. level. Oh, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Like, um, especially when it comes to, like, it seems it seems to me that the the game as designed when, you know, when the deck cycling rule was put into place is, like, very different than the game we got. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, and I think, like, this taboo list would easily be one page if they nerfed deck cycling. Um, by the way, let's, let's, let's be precise. More than half of that second page is artwork. So let's, it's not two full pages. It's like 1.3 pages. So mm -hmm. let's, let's, let's be precise. It's not, it's not too far off. So I think if they just like went a little deeper, took a more radical approach on like certain things, then it would, the list would be shorter as a result and probably more effective. Yeah. I would just make it a forbidden list. I, I don't really like the chaining and the mutating for the most part like I, I do appreciate certain mutations like the ones that sort of account for blessed curse tokens like those oh I yeah symmetry they, yeah, yeah it creates consistency and symmetry within the game but then other stuff like this daredevil nerf is clearly just it's here to address some issue that's underlying in the game's mechanics not so much like the card itself yeah yeah like one one specific card just why does it do this i don't know yeah. Yeah. And it kind of brings up my earlier point um, about how it kind of creates this inconsistency in application. Like, what is the threshold beyond which, you know, it's taboo time? Mm -hmm. And we don't know what that is. Yeah. We don't... Yeah. Cause it sort of seems arbitrary a lot of the exactly. time. Yeah. Like, knowledge is yeah. power is, I think, kind of the, mm -hmm. the cornerstone case of that is like, this card is clearly just doing things that should not be permitted in the game. Yeah. And yet, here it is still existing, pretty much not unchanged whatsoever. And oh yeah, this... the function is unchanged. It just yeah, like takes this card is fine. Like drawing thin is considered fine. Like it, it really just doesn't make sense to me in that regard. Like, yeah, just ban cards if you don't want people to play with them. Oh yeah, there you go. Yeah, opinion. and I, yeah, and I think um, and I do wish FFG would be a little more a little more open with the expectations that they design their scenarios around. Are they desiring, are, des, are they designing Hemlock Vale, assuming we're going to have knowledge is power, you know, and lots of fast actions and pathfinders and, and, uh, you know, um, higher educations. To me, it seems the answer <laughs> to that question becomes increasingly yes. That is, that is how they intend to design the game. Yeah. But it sort of doesn't feel like it. Cause, uh, you know, even on harder difficulties, like when you, when you bring the full weight of the full card pool. Like, well, I think that's probably yeah. what they're trying to do is like, they want you to start playing at harder difficulties. Yeah. But even then, like, well, that's a whole nother video in itself is how difficulty works, how the difficulty yeah. modes work or don't work in mm. Arkham Horror. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I've always kind of been apprehensive to the taboo list one, because I primarily play solo and two players. So a lot of these changes never really came up or mattered. And mm -hmm. the cards that end up being a problem, they just don't play with them because, like, nothing on the taboo list really changes how I feel about them personally, though. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, I, I agree with you for the most part. There are a couple of exceptions that I think... Yeah, there are a couple of exceptions to that, like... Yeah, I won't get into it. <laughs> like like Trish, I mean, it brings it. it brings her into, like, symmetry with other effects but you know yeah like it. like that that feels more like an errata than it does like exactly um, there you go an errata yeah. yeah like the milan errata i mean mutation yeah mm -hmm. yeah that that those make sense because yeah you bring them in line with other things which is mm -hmm. appropriate yeah i mean do you even taboo at all uh cameron no not really yeah no i <laughs> i've really had sort of a I, I think I'm in the same boat as Nate as as someone who plays 
99% of my games solo and then occasionally two-handed. Most of the changes on these on this list don't matter to me because I'm not building degenerate decks that cycle themselves infinitely and and do all that. And you know, I suspect that most players are in the same boat. And so this is targeting, you know, the basically a handful of deck builders out there who are attempting to intentionally break the game. Yeah. I think my biggest issue with the FAQ and the uh, list of taboos is just the sort of goes to the lack of communication that FFG has has had. Releasing an FAQ once a year, it's just not enough. And because what's going to happen, we're going to get Feast of Hemlock Vale at the end of February, it looks like. And then we're not going to get another FAQ addressing any of the questions from that for a year afterward. Oh, true. Yeah, because the timing. Or six months or whatever. And it's just too long. It's Mm -hmm. just, it's too long. And as someone who has sort of watched the Arkham Horror LCG slowly dip down board game geeks list of top games you know it used to be um, you know in the mid-teens and over the past couple years since the release schedule has changed it's just slowly making its way down to the bottom and I oh agree yeah because there's less to click on yeah. yeah there's there's less excitement around the game there's less yeah. happening and so I agree with you, Matastrophic, that, you know, releasing an FAQ more frequently and changing up the card pool more frequently would at least get the community engaged more frequently yeah, and create more discussion and give content creators more to talk about. And, and that's only a good thing for the game. Yes. As for the list, you know, as we go through each of these cards, I feel like... I hate to say this, but I think that list of taboos has been a failure for the most part because they seem reluctant to deal with the problem that underlies most of these taboos and chainings. You know, there is a problem with recursion in the game. There is a problem with deck cycling in the game. Those are responsible for a lot of the issues. There is a problem with cards that don't have caps. That's a big issue. But rather than deal with those issues, we sort of end up with this piecemeal approach where they're like, okay, we're gonna take, say we have 50 cards that are a problem. We're gonna take 10 of them, seemingly at random, and throw them on a list and say, this is what we're willing to address and everything and everything else that's a problem is fine. Oh and yeah. I, right. And I just, I just don't understand that approach. Like they, they seem to believe that the player base just has a very limited capacity for, for change. I don't know. I, I just I don't understand why they won't address the bigger problem. Like, for example, knowledge is power. Why? Like, double or nothing was clearly banned for because it was busted, and oh, you can't yeah. balance it. Why is knowledge of power not just ban it? Just get rid of it. Save yourself. You know, not just entries on on the list of taboos, but all the entries that are in the rest of the fact dealing with situations where knowledge is power breaks things. So I, I, yeah, I just, I think this fact more than any other just sort of highlighted to me that it just doesn't work, work for me anyway, I guess. I just wish they would be more, like, if the fact has to be 10 pages long, then address the issues that are causing that, not, not individual cards, but... That's just me. And and again, like I said, I don't really, you know, I use some of the mutated text. Some of it I just either I'm not playing the card or I just ignore it. 
again, chained and unchained. Most of the cards that end up on the chained list, I, I'm not playing because, I mean, I know how good they are. Like, I don't need to play with the Necronomicon in my deck t- to know how, how busted it is. So why just not, you know, just get rid of it. Uh-huh. Make a new card. Make a new Necronomicon that's that does better. Different things. <laughs> yeah. I mean, okay. Necronomicon should just not be a player card at all. It doesn't make any sense to me why why that oh. should be a thing anyway when the the core set sets a precedent that the Necronomicon is bad. It oh, is bad. I you see. Not want yeah. This. yeah. Yeah, that is kind of a yeah, that is kind of an interesting like flavor creep issue. Like, I think the card that broke the camel's back for me was uh, actually this is totally you know off off the rails now. Was uh, hyperphysical shotcaster? That seems way too alien to be like a one XP card. You know, you could just go. You know? <laughs> but, yeah, I mean that, like, that card's inspiration is just like from a video game, and yeah, kind of silly. Yeah. Personally, I don't really like that, but whatever. Yeah, I see. I see what's going on there. Someone really liked control, and that's fine. That's fine. It's okay. Yeah. But yeah, I see what you mean though about the Necro- like the Necronomicon. It's very sacred in the mythology, and it cheapens it by having it being a level five secret card. Yeah. yeah well, it's like for me at least, it's like you you set the precedent in the core set that this yes this main secret character has this Necronomicon, and it is bad news, and then. Yep. Four sets later, the head librarian of the same school goes, yeah, no, actually, this book's cool. Check it out. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Sure. It, it makes you wonder if, if Min has uh, the king in yellow, you know, and it's, like, super bad. I wonder what her boss has. Does her boss right. have, like, act... <laughs> Does her boss right, have, like, like, are we going to see, like, act, oh, act two is actually, like, you know, a retelling <laughs> of Pride and Prejudice. It's like... Uh, well, let us know in the comments down below what you think of uh, the cards they mutated this time around. Do you think the designers have done enough? Do you think they could do more? Do you wish they would just leave it as is and, and let people play the game? Uh, let us know down below and we'll be back with a, a discussion about the other changes that were made uh, to the... Uh, to the FAQ in a future right. video. Two pages down, 22 to go. That's going to do it for this episode. If you enjoyed what you hear, remember to like, comment, and subscribe. If you need to contact me, I can be reached at manfromlang at gmail.com. I'm also on Twitter at manfromlang. Until the stars are right, keep your shotgun close and your elder sign closer. Take care out there, and happy investigating.